Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in for this special episode of Customers Also Watched. Just wanted to give a quick apology for the audio in this episode. I used a different microphone than I normally use to go interview Owen, and it clearly got the better of me this time. You may also hear some thumping background noises, and those are the dogs underneath the table with their tails tails wagging and hitting the legs of the chair. So, And if you know me, you know I'm never going to tell a dog not to wag its tail. So just a quick apology for that, but otherwise, enjoy. Welcome to a special episode of Customers Also Watched. I'm Erica, and for this episode, I'm taking a break from watching garbage on Amazon Prime uh, to talk with a very special guest. So February is Women in Horror Month, and this year marks the uh, the 10th one, which has celebrated those w- women who have made a name for themselves in this genre. This year, there's also a social media challenge with different categories for each day, Um, such as Screen Queen, uh, uh, Mother Knows Best, just to name a few. And today I am speaking with the director of 2018's meta horror comedy, Bloodfest, Owen Egerton, about what his picks would be for some of these categories. So welcome, Owen. Thank you so much. Yeah, so happy to have you here for this. So before we get into these categories and your picks, I did want to mention that Bloodfest is currently available on Blu-ray for all of you people to buy. Um, <laughs> we have our copy at home. I forgot to bring mine oh, for you to like, sign it. Uh, and on VOD. It's on Showtime right now, too. If on you have Showtime, yeah. Nice. I highly recommend checking it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and his latest book, Hollow, is now available in paperback. And you can find that at your local bookstore or on Amazon, uh, along with some of his other titles, such as This Word Now. Um, and if you're in Austin, you can also check him out at the North Door every first Tuesday? Every first Tuesday. Of the month, um, hosting One Page Salon. Yes. So, I was actually there last night with uh, my husband, uh, Lloyd Kaufman, was there. Oh, yeah. It's showing uh, Return to Newcomb High Vol- Volume 2. So. Oh, my gosh. How yeah. cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. He is oh, Uncle Lloyd. Uh, that's super cool. <laughs> he is great. Okay, so let's jump right in okay. and let's get to um, some of your picks. So we're not going to go through all 28 because there's you know quite a few, but um, I do think there's some ones that uh, I thought would be really interesting to hear your thoughts about. Yeah. So who would be your screen queen? Do I have to just pick one? You can for- no, you okay. can give me multiples. Okay, because that was like a great question. I love that it was uh, that Scream was taken out and, and Screen was put in there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for, I mean, the first person that came to mind, actually, was, was Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm like, well, if I had to, I mean, come on. Yeah. She just kind of wins. And, and maybe never more so than this year. I mean, seeing um, the new Halloween mm-hmm. uh, was fantastic. As enjoyable was seeing her presenting it. So uh, when it played a fantastic fest here in Austin... It, just seeing her basically basically living her best life. Yeah. Um, just on fire and with an infe- infectious and uh, and generous uh, joy about her. Yeah. Just made it all the more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and that, that was something fantastic. When, when you see, you know, in a franchise like that, that the heroine is as intriguing and as exciting and, and end, ends up being a much more deep character than, than the monster pursuing her, mm-hmm. um, that's something. Yeah. So pro- I, I, I'm probably going to go ahead and say Jamie Lee Curtis then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's great. She was actually my pick too. Really? So. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, she deserves it. She right? does. She, she really yeah. does. Yeah, she's great. 
Uh, did you have any others for that one that you wanted to you know, call out? But if I say them now, you know, I'm, I'm going to be taken away from later. I will say the other one is, and this had not occurred to me, but to, today I was watching uh, in my busy, busy schedule. Like, uh, but I was watching. <laughs> I was watching um, uh, Alien Three mm. uh, with Sigourney Weaver, and um, I was re- I ended up re-reading all about how that film came to be and a bunch of the troubles that they had in pre-production and in production and I I actually happen to really love that film Uh, especially the 2003 when they kind of re-edited it Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just thought that was pretty and added all these additional scenes but it was interesting reading about her role in that franchise, how she was like, no, I, you have to kill my character off. If, if That's what needs to happen, yeah. I think. And also, at one point, there was going to be a version of 3 that barely had her in it at all. Mm-hmm. And she was like, this is so much more interesting. I love it, yeah. yeah. I just won't be in this one. Maybe I'll be in another one. And and all the, just just her involvement, and she's just such a badass. Yeah. Um, it just made me more... Tr- and then the, the, that's a great example there, too, of like... I'll follow Ripley across the universe. I, perhaps that's a more interesting character to me yeah. than than the monster. Itself. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, when she shows up, I think when she showed up in Cabin in the Woods, it was just that that cheering moment. Oh my gosh, it was perfect! It was <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. All right, uh, so let's look at another category: uh, calling the shots, female director. Oh yeah, what what a good one! So I started thinking about like female directors that I really like. I'll name a couple of them later on in some of the like, okay. the next generation and sure. Fierce Over 40. Um, some some picks that I had there. Um, but I gotta say, the, the, the uh, two that came to mind, well, actually, I guess three that come, came to mind. Um, one uh, was uh, Kat Candler, who used to live here in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. She... she uh, She's actually a big director right now on... Well, it's a show I haven't watched as much, but I'd love to now. It's Queen Sugar. But she also, like, started doing shorts here in Austin. She made Hellion, uh, which played at Sundance, which is a really cool film. She plays in drama, but she also plays in horror. She does great stuff with comedy. And for me, I've just always been a fan of her. She was a person who early on said, you should direct, yeah. and kind of gave me the encouragement. Oh. And, and <laughs> there was a scary dog in the background. <laughs> Most podcasts don't have that kind of <laughs> production value. So I'm going to name her. And then I was thinking, well, in the horror world, you know, we don't often talk about, like, uh, Catherine Bigelow, uh, mm-hmm. but she made Near Dark, yes. which is one of the best vampire movies. Oh, I just, that's a, well, Vamp It Up. I'll have to choose something else for Vamp It Up. Ah. But, I mean, what, what a great director, Oscar winner, of course, uh, in, in so many different genres, but Near Dark in, as a genre film of horror is just is brilliant. It's one of the best vampire movies ever made. Uh, and then the other one that I think is just a, a fantastic writer and d- director uh, is Jennifer Kent, uh, Babadook. Yes. Um, I mean, just her first, I think that was her first feature, and just spectacular. Yeah. Just so smart and uh, insightful and terrifying. All those things in one film with cute Australian accents? <laughs> Come on. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So th- those were some of my, my favorite female directors that are working today. Yeah. Let's take a step back in time a little bit. Classic beauty, horror classics. Right. So horror classics, especially we're talking for females, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so many. I mean, uh, of course, Bride of Frankenstein uh, is the first one that pops to my mind. I imagine a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Um, what I love about Bride of Frankenstein, too, I mean, it's my favorite, of course, of all the original universal classics, but the woman, why am I blanking on her name? Elsa Lanchester? Yes, Lanchester. thank you. Yeah. But she also, of course, plays Mary Shelley, Franken, mm-hmm. uh, Mary, uh, Mary Shelley as well. And the, the idea that she plays 
both those characters I find utterly charming, but yeah. also uh, really intriguing. The idea that, like, oh, we see the create the actual creator of the monster, yeah. and and she is actually ends up being the creator of herself as a monster yeah. uh, within this whole setup is brilliant. And of course, it's amazing when you look at that that. Uh, just that panorama of universal horror creatures, each one of them iconic. Mm-hmm. None of them have as little screen time as the bride. I mean, yeah. she's barely on screen at all. Yeah. And yet, she's recognizable to any seven-year-old. Yeah. Uh, just with no actual lines, um, very little screen time, but spectacular. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's just brilliant. Her performance is wonderful Um, so that would be I think in the classic realm Um, there's another one Daughter of Dracula Mm -hmm. so Dracula itself in the universal uh, world only had two immediate sequels Son of Dracula and Daughter of Dracula Daughter of Dracula came first Um, and Son of Dracula was Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, Daughter of Dracula is is particularly beautiful and, and eerie uh, I think it's a, a, a really great classic. It could be, in some ways, maybe even better than the original. It's definitely, in some ways, more complicated. Um, there's an erotic nature as as the daughter of Dracula uh, comes to London and her self-stalking, but it obviously is conflicted about her own role as a murderess, uh, but is, is a brilliant seductress. Um, uh, and I, I really appreciate that. So that, those would be the two in the classic realm. Love it. So another category, and this one's tough because there are so many beautiful women in horror, but um, what about gorgeous? G-O-R-E. Right. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Well, I guess it's funny. I was thinking, I, 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 when I saw that, I, I, I went more to gore mm-hmm. than to the just. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're right. There are some very, very beautiful uh, women in, in, in horror. I mean, Barbara Crampton comes to mind yeah. just being a, a particularly beautiful in every way a human being can be beautiful yeah, she does not age <laughs> no it's amazing uh, and, and, and I mean I'm a big fan of her she all the different projects that she does how she jumps into it her relationship with the horror community mm-hmm. um, which she obviously is mindful of she's like no I'm, I'm in this community I'm a part of it yeah. is wonderful yeah. um, and I can see that she has a blast in the projects that she takes on she is enjoying it in a big way that, that she Shows. Um, but the person that came to mind was funny enough was a director and writer Doris Wishman. Mm-hmm. So Doris Wishman uh, made a bunch of drive-in movies. So around the time of Herschel Gordon Lewis, I often think of them together. Um, some of these movies made on a shoestring, and some of them just absolutely they're you know, cutie nudies or nudie cuties. Yeah. Uh, Nudes on the moon uh, was one of hers about two astronauts who go to the moon and they found it's. Basically, it's it's covered with naked people, uh, and and she made Double Agent. I'm going to remember this right. Double Agent seventy seven, which is two movies she made about a a spy, sort of James Bond spy with incredibly large breasts, and she would use her breasts to poison people, to knock people down. Uh, but she also made a number of horror movies too, and in a similar way of uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, she would like I, I make these sort of gore effects. She would do things that uh, other films in the sixties were were not doing. Yeah, she would cross over into taboos, uh, and she would do it all for a budget less than those films would spend on their trailers or the poster yeah. art. Um, and I find that really incredible. So yeah. in that sort of burst into, well, let's go where the money is too afraid to mm-hmm. go, 
um, and, the, and everything that made drive-in movies great, and then later uh, video, straight-to-video movies great. I, I put Doris Wishman there. Love it. So this one's probably pretty near and dear to you. Uh, women writers. Yeah, you know, women writers, I mean, I, I, you know, Jennifer Kent was definitely one that came into yeah. mind there. Uh, I, I think, you know, she's... I, but again, I'm sort of been thinking in... You know, I was thinking in the in the film world yeah. there. Um, but, you know, let me... There's actually some novelists that move into that world that mm-hmm. I think can just write some amazingly scary or thrilling stuff. Amy Gentry is an author who lives actually here in Austin, oh, Texas. Nice. And her first book is called... Um, uh, as Good as Gone, which was a wonderful thriller. I mean, just amazing. And then her latest book that just came out is called Last Woman Standing and takes place a lot in the Austin comedy community uh, and is filled with violence and rage and uh, mystery and uh, is pretty brilliant in itself as well. Those would be uh, two, two, uh, two books I would highly recommend. <laughs> um, the next one is Amelia Gray. Uh-huh. Uh, and Amelia Gray is uh, another really fantastic writer who um, writes, sometimes her books are on the strange side, like Museum of the Weird uh, or Gutshot, which is a story she also wrote a really wildly, almost Kafka-esque scary novel called oh, Threats. Okay. Uh, and she has a, a tendency to write these shorter pieces and these longer pieces that are... Um, uh, they just get into you. There's a creepiness to them. Uh, not necessarily filled with a jump scare yeah. or gore, but more like, I woke up this morning and I had given birth. And and then when I went to sleep and I woke I gave birth again. And these kind of horrors of the mind that move into the surreal yeah. and uh, I find fantastic. That's so probably a lot of options for this one. Oh, um, can I go back? Yeah. I didn't mention Shirley Jackson. Oh, Because I was thinking of right, people I know. Yeah. But Shirley Jackson, of course... Um, is so brilliant yeah. as a writer. Her books are so good. Uh, I mean, as much as people I know, I, I, I wish that every person who enjoyed uh, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, which was so enjoyable, yeah. would also go read her book, which is radically different. Yeah. Um, but it's so brilliant and, 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 and scary. Yeah. And um, We've Always Lived in a Castle is, is wonderful as well. And a short picture, fiction, of course, I imagine many of your listeners sometime in school read The Lottery which is her but Shirley Jackson is this brilliant writer whose work continues to vibrate uh, into popular culture even today not only in in direct adaptations like the the Netflix show but just also in the way she's influenced Stephen King to everybody else yeah Uh, so Shirley Jackson I would have to mention her great pick all right. Uh, let's see. The next generation. Yeah, Jen Wexler uh, was the person I was thinking of. Jen Wexler uh, uh, made her directing debut with The Ranger that came out in 2018, okay. which is um, uh, a really cool slasher film uh, with involving punks mm-hmm. and a forest ranger. Uh, and putting those worlds together, come on, yeah. it's just great. <laughs> um, she worked for a long time as a, a producer. She's done so many different things. Uh, in film, but she decided to, she wanted to direct, she did a great job with this script and directing it, and uh, I can't wait to see what she does next. She's one of these directors that I've got a chance to hang out with as our films were on the festival circuit together, and I was like, gosh, I like you as a person, and so I'm always like, oh my gosh, I, if I find a script, I'm like, 
I don't know if I'm good enough for this, but I bet Jen would be. <laughs> uh, she's that kind of director on it, so I'm, I'm excited about uh, all the different horrors she's going to be bringing to us. Great. Can I mention two others? Of course, yeah. So there's a writing team here in Austin, Texas. Uh, uh, it's a it's a man and a woman. Uh, the man's name is Seth Meeks. We'll get him out of the way. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> his uh, partner in writing is uh, Felix Morgan, and she she and he they, they are brilliant. They write these great scripts that uh, are so cool, and they move from horror to the erotic and and have a lot of humor and a lot of humanity uh, at the same time. Uh, she also writes short fiction, which is pretty brilliant and terrifying too. So does he. Yeah. And uh, they're just really talented as a as a team and talented as individuals. Um, she has yet to have like a film produced from their screenplays they've yet to have that but I, I know that's going to happen and uh, I can't wait to say I knew them when awesome so let's see what do we have what else do we have how about uh, Fierce Over 40 oh yeah Fierce Over 40 I was thinking of Issa Lopez do you know her mm-hmm. uh, she is a, a director f- from Mexico um, she uh, has you know she's been she actually she's been like nominated for uh, all these uh, cool awards in, in Mexico mm-hmm. and she's have you ever had a chance to see her or meet her? No. She's like like a really interesting and intri- intriguing magnetic personality. Yeah. You're like, what, tell me what you want me to think because I will think it. <laughs> um, just has a uh, a, a fantastic energy around her. Uh, Tigers uh, Are Not Afraid was her film that she first did that moved into the genre world. And when she made it, she hadn't really thought of it as a genre film, but it is a terrifying film. Um, and it's since the critics who have been able to see it, because I don't think it's yet had North Amer- or um, uh, American release. I think maybe it did in Mexico, I'm not yeah. sure, in the United States. But it's been playing at festivals for a long time, and, and people are just huge fans of hers. Yeah. Um, and there's more more word of what she's going to be doing next and so yeah she is I think 46 47 um, and is, is brilliant yeah. she's already done so much both in writing and in filmmaking and I think promises to do so much more any other picks for that one? No, no, just no, the one. All right. All right, let's look at... Um, did you have any ideas for diva diversity? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. interesting. So the movie that I just finished making, um, uh, it, it, the star of it is Daniela Pineda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Daniela Pineda, who's done a lot of different comedy, she was, but she was also one of the co-stars in Jurassic uh, World Fallen Kingdom, the most recent... Oh. That's yeah. the most recent one, yeah. yeah. Um, she plays the veterinarian. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it, it's interesting, as we cast her as our lead, um, we, we said, oh, okay, so this is a, a Latino family. Uh, you know, and, and we started building the family around her, her mm-hmm. sister, her nephew, um, the, the, the references to her mother. I was like, oh, that's really interesting yeah. of recognizing that aspect of the film and, and allowing the story to bend towards that appropriately. Yeah. Um, so I think she's, I mean, I'm a big fan of hers, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I was a fan of hers before we worked together. But then being able to make this film together where she was working every day and, you know, screaming at the top of her lungs and uh, scrambling through the mud and uh, all these different things. It was like a lot of work. Uh, it just made me even more of a fan of hers. Nice. Um, and I, I know for her, she she was super excited to be the lead in her first horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, and I know she has a heart for horror and has been secretly like working at her own projects. Yeah. Um, so I think she is. I guess she would fit, fit into that. To, yeah. Into diversity. And Absolutely. I, I just think she's a star. So awesome. whatever she does next is it's going to be great. Okay, let's see. This one's. I mean, I had a really hard time picking this one uh, for myself because it was so much to choose from. But man eaters and monsters. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, so again, this you, you know what I've been watching. Mm-hmm. I, I watched Alien Three today, yeah. and I, it would only occur to me of like, oh, Alien Three is about a mother. Like mm-hmm. this is a is a really cool mother. I, I I do you know uh, what used to be called the Sinus Show is Master Pancake. I do Master yeah. Pancake, and we we make fun of movies. Some years ago, we we did a Mother's Day special, mm-hmm. uh, which was really fun. We actually called my mother from the stage, uh, uh, <laughs> but but we. The, the audience brought movies and said, this is the best Mother's Day movie. Yeah. And the one that won was was Aliens, yeah. actually. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was so fun. I was like, oh, of course. Of course this is all about, you know, uh, a female species thing. Like, I'm yeah. taking you guys out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, you even look at the first one of, like, all the men. Like, I'm the captain of the ship. About, bam, you're done. You get yeah. killed in the vent. It's, it's only this other woman who's like, well, it's going to be a face-off between... The two of us. So, yeah. in that sort of universe, you know, the men are gone. It just happens. It's between, you know, Ripley and this other woman. Yeah. <laughs> to, to decide the fate of the universe, which is going to be the species that survives. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. I think so, too. I think you could even argue, like, you know, the original alien, because the ship is called Mother. Mm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're totally right. <laughs> Whoa. Mind blown. Look at that. <laughs> you're going to have to clean the floor. Yeah. So I'm going to go out of order a little bit here because I want to save best of 2018 for the end. Okay. Um, Let's look at um, Deserves More Love. Who do you think is underappreciated in, you know, as far as women go in horror? Yeah, this was a horror because I'm like, I don't know know what other people are thinking. Yeah. Um, So I was like, well, who do I just wish their people had more chest tattoos with their image? It would be Danielle Harris. Uh, a star of Halloween Four, mm-hmm. she's in Halloween Five, yeah. and uh, and then also Rob Zombie's Halloween and Halloween Two. Yeah. In fact, I think she is the actor who has appeared in the after Jamie Lee Curtis in the most Halloween films. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think she's brilliant. Yeah. Um, she as uh, she's also a director in her own right. Oh. Um, but I remember seeing Halloween Four when I was younger, and just thinking it was like it. Just was a huge for me a huge um, trip into like oh I'm gonna love horror even more even more. Yeah. In fact, I have like a signed copy of Halloween Four signed by <laughs> by the writer, and uh, I it, I just love that film so much. And I think the whole film relies on her performance, and she's yeah. just a little girl, she's just a little kid, but she gives this outstanding performance of just the right amount of like fear, but also strength. And she carried that into her performances as an adult, yeah. and uh, and, and I, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of hers. Yeah, she really does, like especially in Halloween Four, because I think one of the things that gets to me so much is child actors and terrible child acting. Yeah, and she, I couldn't agree more. Like I love that film because of her performance yeah. and what she brought to it. Like yeah. it's great. Yeah, absolutely. So, in kind of the same vein of someone who deserves more love, do you have any any thoughts about where's her Oscar? Like, yes. who deserved either at least a nomination, if not a win? Well, I mean, Tony Collette was the one everyone was talking about this year, yeah. and that was one of like, oh, I mean, they really thought that the the Oscars should have maybe just 
just sort of heard that. Um, and, you know, also, it, it, Suspiria, I think, deserved... I mean, yeah. that, it, in my mind, like, these are Oscar bait movies. Of course they're not Oscar bait movies. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, the, those were sort of two that sort of came to mind. Yeah. Of, like, come on. Um, and, you know, I think I would go back, actually, to Babadook there. It's funny, like, I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about this until just now, but, you know, Babadook, like, let's say... I, I remember hearing Jason Blum say... You know, the way to make a solid a horror movie is if you were taking out all the scares, all the gore, and you still have a movie that makes a great Sundance flick, mm-hmm. then you've got a good film in your hands. Which I thought is a really intriguing idea. But yeah. like Babadook is dealing with grief and parenting and, uh, and maybe lack of mental stability uh, in, in these brilliant ways. Yeah. If you were to take out all the mythology... Um, and the, the scares and not call it a, a genre you know, a horror movie right. then it, like oh gosh people be like falling over themselves to give it awards yeah. and it is kind of funny like oh come on did we not think it was well worth enough to like to be celebrated for what it is which yeah. is a brilliant piece of uh, narrative filmmaking yeah um, so I guess those would be the ones that come to mind yeah do you think that's what it would what it would take for a performance like that because I think the Tony Collette and the Tilda Swinton came up very frequently in that in that category. But Tilda Swinton's like doing two roles. She like, did three. She did three. Wait, yeah. who's the third? So she was um, the old man. Yes. She was her the main you yes. know, witch, and then the um, the witch at the end. She's the witch the, at the end. That's yeah. her as well. Yeah. Oh, She's all three of those. Wait, yeah. I mean, like, I, like, come on, when you do that in a performance, like, you know. Come on! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's she's so brilliant in that film, and yeah. and and gosh, I mean, the, the way she's using her body, she's acting more with her shoulder bone yes. than uh, than most actors can do with their entire career. Yeah, I just you know it it's frustrating that those performances seem to get ignored because the movie is classified in the horror genre. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think it would take for something like that to finally? Do you think like? All of the backlash against why wasn't Tony Collette or Tilda Swinton nominated this year? Like maybe they'll start looking at it next year. I don't really think so. Um, I mean, of course, you know, Get Out um, mm-hmm. had some really nice Oscar attention, uh, but that's also because it was a huge you know, moneymaker, and yeah. you know, so the Oscars. Are, I mean, it's funny. I not to get off too much on a tangent, yeah. but. The, the Oscars were always promoted, always in, intended as a promotion of film. This yeah. was Hollywood promoting itself. And so they said, well, we'll make a show uh, where we give awards to ourselves, and this helps promote the movies. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not like a, it's not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> in Very that true. way. It's not, and, and, and you recognize it. Like, well, we know Gladiator wasn't the best movie no. in that year. <laughs> it's safe. We know that. Um, so it... It's, but it's very nice when these films do get that, that yeah. attention. Um, and so, you know, it was great when Get Out, you know, yeah. on Best Screenplay, and, uh, and Shape of Water. Uh, these type of things are, are wonderful when they happen. But, but I don't know if anything's going to necessarily yeah. change. Except I'd say this is like, it seems more and more there are more and more horror films that are being recognized as like, oh gosh. That, that's doing something that I didn't expect from horror. Yeah. And then you get these silly pieces of like, well, th- that's why The Witch wasn't a horror movie. Like, what? <laughs> you know? I'm a like, yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah. I think maybe, it, you know, with all of the 
um, support that went to, you know, and I bring it back to this, this year's example, Tilda Swinton and Tony Collette. Maybe it means something more that, you know, the fans are the ones who said, like, they should have this. Or maybe, like, to me, it would mean more to get a Fangoria Award. But, yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah. So... I, I, I checked those Fangoria Awards pretty close. I was like, hey, was Bloodfest? No, okay. Oh. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got high hopes for Mercy Black. Nice. All right. Do you have anything for Strange and Unusual? You know, what did I... I you know, I was thinking about Strange and Unusual... Um, it's kind of under my Mean Girls category, but we might skip my Mean Girls. Yeah. You know, strange and unusual, I was thinking about um, Sleepaway Camp. Ah. <laughs> I was like, what is strange and unusual that falls into sort of like uh, an examination of female uh, uh, POV? And, and I was like, oh, Sleepaway Camp does some really interesting things. Yeah. It definitely, you know, gosh, in a way that we're now much more uh, open and, and having more of a cultural conversation about... Uh, uh, transgender issues and and the the difficulty of being uh, a, a trans child in, in a, a, a sort of non-open or non-engaging community. Yeah. Um, who knew the sleepaway camp was without even knowing it? I don't think dealing with similar issues. You know, like sleep. I mean, it's it's not quite. It's this. You don't want to draw a direct parallel. Yeah. Uh, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the get out of transgender issues at all. Yeah. Uh, but um, but man, that, that was, I remember that the, watching the end of that movie. And like, oh my god! Yeah. This changes everything. Yeah. And like, oh, that must have been really difficult for that person. Yeah. Uh, that's what I remember thinking. Like, yeah. oh boy, then no no one to talk to about all this. And yeah. uh, wow, and all yeah, all yeah. these different pressures and and. And the mean girls and the boy. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and what's great, too, is Felissa Rose, who played Angela. Yes. She's like Barbara Crampton. Like, she is heavily in the scene and goes to all the conventions. And, you know, she owns that role and, like, loves it and will talk talk to anyone about it. And so the fact that, like, she embraces it so much yeah. and does not shun it and say, oh, that was an embarrassment right. on my, you know, on my track record. I love that about her as well. She came to Austin, like, years ago. This is, like, 20-plus years ago, mm-hmm. when the Alamo was first getting started. Yeah. And Tim League was a huge fan. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to fly in the entire cast of Sleepaway Camp and do, like, three or four screenings of Sleepaway Camp at, at like, midnight screenings. And... And, you know, you can imagine that the sales were not as big as he thought were <laughs> for that. Yeah. I mean, the first night was amazing. And then it's like, yeah, it tapered off a little bit. But um, but it was super fun hanging out with that cast yeah. and, and hearing their memories of making this really bizarre little horror film. Yeah. Uh, that's great. It's cool, cool to hear that she's, like, on the scene. Yeah. Celebrating that film. And, you know, that might be something, too. You know, you think about the best... You know, best of film. Like I don't know what was the best of film five years ago. I'm not even sure what it was. Um, but let's say Gladiator. I don't know. Does anyone talk about Gladiator now? No. Does anyone buy? Like, oh my gosh, there's a new Blu-ray of Gladiator coming out with a direct dire- director commentary. And oh my god, there's yeah. a screening Glad- Gladiator. To- best picture. Best picture. And then like, yeah. there's a screening on it. But if Sleepaway Camp was having a screening tonight, yeah. we'd be there. And you know, we'd be asking questions and like. If, if there was going to be a brand new rendi- a director's cut, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we'd be like, oh my God, I can't wait. Basket case? Oh, let's go. Yes. Oh, yeah, we've got to see this. So like, <laughs> like it, there's a, there is something, like what you were saying about winning a Fangoria Award. Of, yeah. Um, 
you know, we the horror community cherishes these films, and and as uh, as Cargill likes to say, you know, writer of uh, of Sinister, uh, he loves to talk about how horror movies age so well. Like, yeah. uh, good movies become great movies. Uh, Bad movies become camp fun movies. Like they yes. just they just keep getting better as they as the decades go by. Yeah. And we do we do have a heart yeah. for um, the 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 filmmakers who and actors and, and the the entire crew who have given us something in the past. Yeah. We are loyal to them. Well said. <laughs> Let's see what else do we have? Do you have anything for mothers know or sorry mother knows best? So. I, I was like, oh, my gosh. This got me thinking. It's, it's funny. I should have looked at this earlier. I you probably sent this to me way, way back, didn't you? I didn't, actually. Oh, I sent it to like two hours ago. Well, it was great. It was like, oh, i got to go to lunch. Um, but I was like, I had this in my back pocket. I was like, ooh. And I was like, mother's the best. I was like, uh, of course, I mean, yeah, immediately I go to some of the classic mothers in horror. And it turns out there are so many. Uh, well, including the mother figure, the aunt in Sleepaway Camp. Yes. Um uh, but there's also like, of course, Alien. You know that yeah. you, as you mentioned earlier, not only the the Queen, but also the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, yeah. uh, which is all about a guy with mother issues. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the first film was about a mother killing because she knows best, yeah. and she's in a rage. And I love that character. Yeah. I, I, I mean, she she is a character I would, if I could see any more of any character in in, in the. Friday the 13th movies it would be her and then the bounty hunter from Jason Goes to Hell like, remember that guy he's like I'm the only one who can stop him yeah he was crazy I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd watch a spin-off show all about him yeah I <laughs> but I, I'd love to know more but then the one I was thinking of was like oh let's go to Psycho like let's go and I, I don't really know I don't know the show the television show the Bates Hotel I didn't, and, I didn't watch it I didn't watch it so I can't speak to that but I was thinking about Psycho and how much I loved the presence and of course in the film itself a spoiler but in the initial film itself it's amazing that there is a presence who is the most feared and, and perhaps the most iconic character in the entire film and she's not alive yeah she doesn't even exist yeah but she is such a presence as our mothers are in our lives yeah. that she puts all the action into motion uh, that's fantastic and the moment I was thinking I was like oh, what's a really fun moment it's like Oh, it's the end of Psycho 2. Now, Psycho 2, like, the idea that made Psycho 2 and Psycho 3, it's crazy. Yeah. But Psycho 2, have you ever seen the ending? Do you remember the ending? It's been a while, so you're going to have to remind me. Okay, this is a spoiler. <laughs> so, for folks who haven't seen it, it's a good film. It's yeah. worth seeing. Uh, it's not Hitchcock, but it's good. Um, you step away from the podcast for a moment. But at the end of Psycho 2, of course, Norman Bates has returned uh, from uh, being in a mental asylum. Right. He's, uh, feels himself cured. Uh, he's living his life. Um, he starts to get these phone calls. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then you realize, oh, it's from the the sister uh, of the woman he murdered right. uh, so many years before. And she is trying to have him have a breakdown because she doesn't think he should be out. Yeah. And he is, it's starting to work. Uh, he, and he's you know goes back and forth, and he's having all these crazy things, and this mayhem and murder, and all these different things. And eventually, he's sitting in his kitchen alone, and this woman comes by, the, this nice, sweet woman who's been you know at works at the diner and everything, like. And she says, "By the way, Norm, I'm your real mother, and like I had to give you up to my sister who raised you, and that was the woman that you, and all these things." And she's sitting at the table, and he's like. 
oh, okay. He's like, would you like tea? She's like, I would. And she's sort of talking to him, and he's making tea, and he puts on the kettle. And we go to this overhead shot, a beautiful shot, like bird's eye view, um, and she's talking to him about how hard it was to give him up, and you just see him pick up a shovel, and then whack, just knocks her down on the ground. Nice. She falls on the, fall, uh, the floor, twitches a little bit, and he starts to just sort of clean up after, and you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I just, I remember that... That particular ending of that movie was like, well, that is a great way to end a movie. Yeah, it's a great one. I think there's that, you know, the mother relationship, especially like in Psycho, like where she's dead, but she still haunts physically and mentally. Yeah. You know, you see that in so many movies after the original Psycho, too. Like, actually, we did an episode with um, Rebecca. I think you might know her from the Master Pancake. She comes and pitches oh, yeah. a lot. And so she was a guest for an episode where we covered um, Don't Go in the House. Mm. And same thing. His mother dies, and he's haunted by her mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, takes a flamethrower and kills a bunch of women. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's sort of this, like, lasting thing where, the, you know, the impact a mother has, whether she's dead or alive, mm-hmm. um, really common theme and really can be haunting. And it, a lot of what you take into it personally, you know, with your own relationship, too. So yeah. I think it's really an interesting interesting exploration of yeah. that theme. So. Yeah. yeah. And there's something like, it, it's, the, the, the deepest emotions, right, are going to be the, the, the best soil for growing horror. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the relationship between both a child and their mother. Right. And then also, uh, I would say a mother and their child. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about Omen, the, you know, the yeah. Omen and, and uh, that terrifying relationship. Bubadook, yeah. uh, again. Uh, another one, um, you know, the, the Mercy Black, the film that, that I just finished, there's a mother and, and her child, and it's like, when do I start to fear my child, and when yeah. do I start to fear for my child, and where's that line yeah. between, uh, that, that's, uh, that's really rich soil. Absolutely. Let's skip around a little bit again. Um, do you have anything, I mean, you mentioned it kind of briefly earlier um, for Vamp It Up. Um, I got a different one now. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm saying Near Dark. Yeah. Near Dark, uh, which of course is so great, and uh, I really do love that movie. I was going to think Let the Right One In. Mm. Uh, yeah. And Let the Right One In is is brilliant and haunting. Yes. Uh, and and also, I think what I love about the Let the Right One In when we're talking about women in horror as well is you have this child who is the, the object of affection. And, and, I mean, the film introduces this ambiguity, actually, to what her initial, you know, her birth sexuality was and everything right. like that as well. But there's a, a wild lack of sexuality in an adult sense about her. Yeah. Um, you know, she has these caretakers, and, and, and it's not like the caretakers are like, oh, I, I'm, the lust is driving me. Uh, like you might have in, you know, uh, Interview with a Vampire right. or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's this affection, this, uh, this I, I care for me, but I, I'm, I, you're caring for me, but I'm controlling everything yeah. here. Uh, which I find really wonderfully disturbing. Yeah. Uh, but also relatable in, in, in that strange, you know, there's something when, when a relationship in a horror movie or, or any film uh, or in a book and you're like, oh, this smells of life. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I recognize this. Even if I can't quite put a finger on, what is that emotion? Yeah. Uh, and that film is full of that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I love, I love that movie still. And I think, again, like, getting back to the idea of having a good child actor Ooh. in a role like that made such a huge impact. Like, yeah. you know, it's hard for me to have empathy for children. Like, I, I you know, I'm one of those that's, like, rooting for the kids to die in the in the horror movies because, you know, it doesn't happen very often. But <laughs> when, that's the type of person you are. <laughs> but when it, you know, when you have someone like that or, um, like, uh, like Daniel Harris, like you mentioned, you know, it's just... It's great to see that. Yeah. Well, you know, what is the actor's kid's name in The Shining? Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one scene, someone online said, oh, yeah, that kid was never a good actor. I was like, are you kidding? Oh. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I, that kid, I'm with him the yeah. whole time. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I, I, I love his performance yeah. in that film. Uh, and, it, yeah, just drives me and then scares me yeah i mean i have just have this vision of kubrick just scaring the shit out of him this whole time and uh during that during the filming and him reacting more to kubrick than the actual scene and so i i just i think he was great in it as well so It's interesting because um, you know you, you you work with uh, with with kids, and I, I'm always worried about like uh, scaring the kids that I'm working with because they don't see um, the thing. You know, when you're filming a kid screaming, mm-hmm. you're not simultaneously filming the thing that they're screaming at. Right. It's a whole different setup, and you yeah. have to move the film, you know, the camera around, and everything <laughs> like that. Um, but uh, I, I think about that, like with the kids that we worked with uh, on uh, on Mercy Black. So mm-hmm. we have a couple of kids. Uh, that we have, we have a number. We have three young girls sort of in one section and these two boys are in the yeah. present time section. And uh, and it was so great. It was so good. Uh, Miles Emmons is, is uh, one of the leads and he plays this little boy. And um, it was an interesting thing. Like, I, I don't want to terrify you. <laughs> I don't want to be that director who's like, uh, I'm going to get you. Now, action, action. <laughs> uh, but it was really interesting of like talking to him like, well, how do you what do you what do you want to do to what do you do when you're scared yeah. how do you get to that place yeah. and he was just such a talented actor uh, but it was interesting of like talking even to some our stunt uh, coordinator of like oh we don't I, let's not do anything that scars these oh. kids it's, you know, no film is quite worth that yeah quite agreed <laughs> uh, alright let's look at Beyond film, artists and creators. Do you have anyone else, like not female directors, but other people behind the scenes or artists in the horror genre that oh, you'd yeah. like to shout out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, in the horror genre. Oh, great. Well, I mean, they're they're filmmakers in that they're part of a team that makes a film. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, some of the ones that come to mind is like Meredith Johns works at Hogfly, uh, which is uh, if basically if you see gore and special effects coming out of a film or television show that's made in yeah. Austin, Texas, there's a good chance that Meredith Johnson and her team at Hogfly were behind it. Yeah. Um, they were our uh, special effects team on um, on Bloodfest mm-hmm. and, and you know supplied over forty gallons of fake blood. Nice. <laughs> uh, just just a genius. Uh, she uh, did a lot of uh, AMC's The Sun mm-hmm. uh, and just does beautiful gore effects. Um, Gypsy Taylor did our creature design on Mercy Black, mm-hmm. uh, and she actually worked on Bubadook as well. And she has just a great knack of like, okay, let's what, let's talk nightmares for a while, and yeah. then let's come up with something. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, with a really cool artistic artistic vibe uh, that I love about it. Uh, I love what she does. Um, uh, another one, you know, my my DP in for two of my films 
uh, is uh, Eliane Fenton. Mm-hmm. And Eliane does a lot of different stuff, not just horror as a, as a camera operator and as a cinematographer. Um, but for me, she's done two horror movies. Yeah. And I love working with her because I think because she recognizes that horror should be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to have a moment where like, the blood's going to splatter. And she's like, but we're going to spend the right amount of time to light that blood. <laughs> and, and, and I just so appreciate that. Most recently, she was a camera operator on season three of, um, of uh, True Detective. Oh, okay. Uh, again, like a, just a person who is willing uh, to get dirty, uh, to get in there, to get a camera close, and to capture moments of beauty and horror with equal attention and affection. Um, so I'm a big fan uh, the, so those are three people I'd, I'd give a shout out to. Perfect. All right. Uh, so let's look at just a couple more icons and influencers. Like who is someone that is just sort of, I mean, we talked about Jamie Lee already and that's, you know, pretty clear icon Barbara Crampton as well. Who else do you think fits in that category of like the icons and influencers in the cool. genre? Wow. What a great question. <laughs> influencers are like, I'm pretty influenced by everything I take in. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just get to that point. I, I, I end up now, often I'll just take a day of like watching old films mm-hmm. or not even old films, you know, the film that I missed from 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, that is not yet like a classic or anything. Right. And, and, and loving how it sort of influences me and, yeah. and, and scribbling down notes. Would, you know, The Witch? Yes. Uh, I, I was thinking about specifically the performances in The yeah. Witch. Um, the Witch is, is so beautifully made. It is. Uh, and, uh, you know, Robert Eggers, and that, I think it is his debut film, too. He's yeah. knocked it out of the park in yeah. that film. Um, and then the performances, you know, uh, are just so, they're just so patient. Yes. They're just so, like, I, I'm going to br- bring you into this character. I'm not going to force you to, like, know who I am. You're going to get to know me. Yeah. And the film... Uh, goes along that same path as well uh, that was a film that I think everyone involved with just did such a beautiful job yeah. and has a, and it is a sort of modern iconic film yeah. and maybe that's what I'm thinking like what are the films that come to me as like modern iconic and some of those fall into what you'll be asking about like the best of 2018 yeah I agree you know completely I mean I think like it's such a sort of broad category that you can say well what has influenced me mm-hmm. and you know the Speaking of, of The Witch, you know, Eggers, his next movie is coming out this year, I think, The Lighthouse. So oh, I'm really looking forward yeah. to seeing what his second effort is. But he had mentioned that for the casting for this, he had the people um, who were auditioning, he made sure that they could speak in that dialect. Oh, wow. And because I remember having the first time watching it, I was I couldn't understand it, but I still was like fascinated and enthralled with it and I had to turn on the subtitles eventually (laughs) but I mean it was I I think that's one of those films that is going to influence and inform going forward and saying yes you can do things like this and still have it be immensely effective horror film yeah you know one of the things that uh, really really works wonderfully about that film too and I've recognized more and more of like in horror movies that I love Mm. uh, is uh, ones that dive into a world Uh, and uh, you know, I was mentioned the 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 ranger. Uh, the ranger dives dives into a world of punk rock that I I am not my world. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's fascinating. A uh, cam was another great uh, yeah. example. Yeah, uh, cam's like, oh, 
That film dives right into the world of sex workers. The woman who wrote it, you know, she she worked in this industry, yeah. and so knew a lot about it. Uh, and and that took me into a place that uh, uh, Isa uh, Maze mm-hmm. uh, took me into a place of like, oh, I don't know this world. Yeah. And this is, thank you. Thank you for taking me. That's half the journey yeah. of letting me be excited about that. Um, and that, that has been more and more like, I want this to influence me. I yeah. want to find those worlds. Um, you know, Raw was another one. Yeah. Uh, th- which was also written and directed by mm-hmm. a woman. Yeah. Uh, by uh, Julia uh, Dacurano. Yeah. Um, and what what a great film. Yes. Um, that took me into multiple worlds. I mean, not only was it another country for yeah. me as a United States viewer, but uh, but also, of course, veterinarian school. Yeah. But also, like, all the specific, like, week of, like, a float, pledge week, basically, or pledge period in yeah. that veterinarian school. And then into this family, specifically a brother, uh, sister-sister relationship. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that, this is so great. Yeah. Like, the horror becomes so specific even though we're talking about bigger issues and because it becomes specific it, it ends up like like a sharpened point it's going to stab you all the more yeah yeah so uh, th- those would be some I think things that are, are, are simultaneously iconic modern iconic yeah and also are having influence on me yeah great uh, so last couple here did you have a pick for best of 2018 oh yeah did I have to choose just one no you never have um, to choose. Oh, I had one, by the way, for um, Sister Act. Did you? Oh, okay. Let's, La- let's Black Narcissus. Black Narcissus for Sister Act. Oh, uh, nice. Because I was thinking nuns, I guess is what it is. I thought the same thing, too. Yeah, is it not nuns? Because Raw would fit into it as well. Well, so a lot of people that I saw and I follow picked, like, either literal, like the Sulska sisters. Oh, yes. Um, oh, well, the Sulska sisters. That's great, yeah. Or... Um, you know, sisters in film like The Shining Sisters and oh, whatever. Oh, yes, that's good. But no, I I was like, I'm going to go nun. And so I just, I literally, I picked a scene and I picked the Exorcist 3 nun oh, jump scare. well, that's brilliant. <laughs> what a brilliant choice. No, but I love yours too. Like, so you speak a little bit to your choice on that one? Well, but Exorcist is just like, I don't know if it necessarily categorizes itself as a horror movie. Who cares? <laughs> but, um, but it's chilling and it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautifully shot. Shot. And it also, just by the nature, the nature of its setting, of course, this monastery on top of this cliff, on top of this hill, it has it, it, its own terrifying set. I mean, I, I think about that film often. I can hear the wind mm-hmm. in the midst of this silence, this uh, beautiful monastery in a place where it feels like you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Like you're, you're trying to be where you shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, and I do find um, monastic life... Uh, tantalizing and terrifying <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Same. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of when a horror movie set in that world is yeah. done well nice yeah. very cool um, so your picks for best of 2018 okay uh, 2018 was a brilliant year yes. for horror I mean did you see Bloodfest woo <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so you know there were so many so many good horror films uh, I, I think you know I, I my answers are not going to be so surprising. I think I'm, yeah. I'm going to be able to say that probably the two that everyone is saying, Hereditary, yeah. which, of course, I think so many people were just wowed with. Um, I remember seeing that at Fantastic Fest, and halfway through the film, when a particular death happens, mm-hmm. I fell out of my seat. I was like, oh! And yeah. as a father, and just as a human, yeah. I was like, no! And I, was, oh! and I just stayed there. I was like, yeah. I just have to watch from down here. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and you know the 
horror films always deal with our, our fears, uh, and when one surprises you with your your worst fear, uh, and, and does so without disengaging you, yeah. with, with keeping you involved in the plot, then I'm very impressed. Yeah. And that film, for me, did just that. Yeah. It was like, oh, this is a film that demands a rewatch and a rewatch, and yeah. it's so hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one was Suspiria. Yeah. Uh, Suspiria, you know, of course, a huge fan of the original, uh, what a beautiful film, and then this film, I was so glad to have watched it in the theater, because, like, oh, this needs no interruption. You're about to go on a journey. Yeah. <laughs> a kind of long journey. And there's going to be some scenes, like, oh, please, can this, I can't keep watching, oh my god, what? And I love that. Yeah. I, I love the journey and the art of that film and, and just the the guts to, to make it that way yes um, I, I, no one's watching that film going oh we got a blockbuster this is gonna make us boom 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 right uh, you know that's it like, I thought Halloween was brilliant and I yes. loved it and I applauded it and all its success I'm like yes um, super fan of the people who made that and how they made it um, and equally so super fan of Suspiria and like you know what we're just gonna make something beautiful strange and horrific and if anyone buys a ticket, that all the better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think what Hereditary did is so many people who said they saw it say, that movie fucked me up. And that tells you, like, it has that lasting effect of something that we consider a huge classic now, like The Exorcist. Like, yes. so many people talk about how, oh, that movie fucked me up as a kid. Mostly, right. you know, the Catholics, they say yeah. that. Hereditary has that aspect to it where it sticks with you after the fact and so few movies are able to still do that at least to me like yeah. one one recently that actually stuck with me and I didn't necessarily like it until I thought of it in a certain way but um Aronofsky's mother that movie I was just like I felt it like viscerally yeah and uh it's it's hard to get that out of an audience now when we can like log on to you know YouTube and, mm-hmm. and- watch the most terrifying and unbelievable things uh, every day yeah. and, and endlessly. Yeah. It, it is like, what, what do you do yeah. to make something that, that crosses those boundaries? Because right. it is like The Exorcist crossed boundaries. Like, it was a studio film. Like, yeah. oh, we're, we're safe. We're in Hollywood. Wait, <laughs> wait, there's a little girl shoving a crucifix in yeah. her crotch. We're not safe. Yeah. This guy's going to show us stuff we shouldn't see. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, in a different, completely different way, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. we felt unsafe from the beginning. Yeah. like, Look at the quality of that film. Like, the film stock, this is... We, I don't know if we can trust these filmmakers not to fuck us up. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, and it turns out maybe, maybe they did maybe they didn't. I don't know. But they yeah. both, both those people make classic films because, you're right, they crossed boundaries and left us unsteady as we watched. Yeah. Uh, and, but we stayed in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and both Suspiria, Suspiria and uh, Hereditary did that. Yeah. yeah. And Bloodfest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I'm, I'm sure many people Alright, let's look at the very last one. Do okay. you have a pick for the best of the last ten years? Oh gosh, man. So this one is like when I saw this, it's like, oh my god, I need I need more, like a week to think of this. Yeah. But um I I started thinking about especially actually best of the last ten years in in, in the world of uh, women in horror specifically, mm-hmm. which just turns out to be 
kind of, but I was like, well, does Suspiria count? Like, well, yes, of course. It's a you know, it's a yeah. nearly entire female cast. Yeah. Um, so Suspiria would be on there. Yeah. Uh, Hereditary would also be on there. Yeah. Uh, the Witch would be on there. Yeah. Uh, Babadook. Yes. Uh, is uh, is on there, and, and it's interesting as I as I think like about these different films and and uh, ones that I want to return to and study and like. Babadook might be funny enough, like uh, of that list. Uh, although it's like the kind of the oldest of that particular mm-hmm. list, um, the one that I think I'm like, oh, I, I want to go back and study that. Yeah. You know, like how, how did it work? Yeah. Because that did feel like of all these films, which I feel uh, are brilliant and scary and insightful, that one also managed to be somewhat commercial. Yeah, which is uh, it, it, its own work of craft yeah. uh, and, and and not to be sneezed at yeah. uh, so I, I'm like oh I, yeah I want to want to go back to those um, other ones that you know I just throw out I, I am a huge fan of Sinister <laughs> as a film yeah. I, not just because a friend of mine wrote it but I just like oh I just love that yeah. uh, as as a horror film um, so gosh yeah I guess of the ones that, those are all ones we've talked about oh that's yeah. I mean that's I mean there's it's there's so many things, like some, those movies in particular, mm-hmm. touch on almost every single category. Yes. So it's hard to, you know, say, well, I can't pick it for this because I already talked about it here. Like, yeah. it is what it is. Like, those, to me, I agree, you know, with those picks, absolutely. The yeah. Witch was, that came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. And this last year, like you said, was such a great year in horror. So, um, And I'm so glad to have the chance to hear your picks for them and all your other ones for this. Oh, thanks. So good talking. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. This is like, oh my gosh, I wish we could just keep talking for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty more to talk about, but um, I know you've got your next movie that's coming out later this year, if you wanted to yeah, talk Mercy about that. Yeah, Mercy Black um, is coming out late this year. Terrifying story about uh, three young girls whose imagination creates uh, a Phantom monster, a female monster, ah. <laughs> with uh, real life and deadly consequences. All right. So, yeah. All right. Well, looking forward to that. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening in. You can follow Owen on Twitter. Um, he also has a website, Owen Egerton, Edgerton. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, OwenEgerton.com. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, and thanks for listening. And thanks once again to Owen. Oh, thank you. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at CAW Podcast or Facebook and Instagram under Customers Also Watched or even on Letterboxd under the username Also Watched. Uh, next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program watching B movies on Amazon Prime. Um, and I will be joined next week by Lance and Cody. So be sure to tune in for that. And I'll see you next time. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael, hi. Oh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Get slayed.